My friend Nancy was a judge before leaving the bench to spend more time as a hospice volunteer. She later went on to seminary and is now a deacon in the Diocese of Texas. But there's one family she met during her time with hospice that she's never forgotten. And after hearing their story through her, I've never forgotten them either. It was a couple whose son, Devin, was born with a devastating terminal illness. The parents were young, and as Nancy watched Devin become sicker and sicker, she thought about how much this whole event must have changed those young people's lives. She thought of all the things they must have had to give up. One day, Devin's mother began to talk about how he had changed their lives, and Nancy asked her what gifts Devin had brought with him. His mother replied, Oh, when God gave us Devin, God gave us back our lives. Before Devin came along, their life had consisted of going out every night, living only for the moment with no apparent purpose, everything focused inward. But this child changed everything. In the mother's words, they got their lives back. The truth is that in that bed where Devin lay losing weight and growing weaker by the second, his mother could still see life springing up in the very middle of what was by all outward appearances a valley of dry bones. Today's Old Testament reading is from the book of Ezekiel. It's a story we'll hear again in a couple of weeks at the Easter Vigil. Ezekiel was both priest and prophet, and he lived in Judah during the time of the deportations to Babylon. He was himself actually taken into exile in 597 BCE, a few years before Jerusalem fell and a few years before the temple was destroyed. Early in his career as a prophet, he proclaimed the coming destruction of Jerusalem. But after the fall of Jerusalem, his message shifted and became one of hope, one of the eventual restoration and rebuilding of Israel. And today's passage comes from the second half of the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is transported in a vision to a valley full of bones, not just any bones, but desiccated, cracking, and ancient bones. God asks him, mortal, can these bones live? Ezekiel wisely deflects the question, saying, O oh Lord God, you know. God has Ezekiel prophesied to the bones, and the rattling begins, bones coming together, followed by tendons and flesh and skin. Then God has Ezekiel prophesied to the breath, and the four winds come together and enter the bodies, and the vast multitude of bodies come alive and stand on their feet. The whole house of Israel is restored. This vision is an answer to those who have been crying out in despair from their places both in exile and in the midst of the remains of Jerusalem, saying, Our bones have dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. With this vision, God in effect replies, Have hope. Just watch what I can do with dried up bones. Where the people see dry bones, God sees the potential for new life. So is that just the way God sees things? Even in the midst of death and despair, is new life always a thought 
and a plan in the mind of God? And if so, can we learn to see like God? Just like we've come to understand with the discoveries of science that empty space isn't really empty after all, but is brimming with activity, can we also learn to find the promise of new life even in the midst of pain and death, to see a beginning and an ending? Now I want to acknowledge that I think there's a real danger here, namely that we'll take this new way of seeing things too far. It's a danger because to look past Israel's destruction or past Lazarus's death as if it weren't really there, well, that would be to reduce the miracle of our faith to nothing, to skip over the death of Israel, to spend no time lingering in its sting, and instead to move straight to restoration would be to miss the whole point entirely. Because the gospel is that in the very midst of loss, pain, suffering, despair, and even death, God comes and speaks a word of life and love more powerful than anything else. That's why we can't pretend death isn't real and still leave the gospel intact. And frankly, I don't believe God skips over suffering and death either. God sees the dry bones cracking and scattered, just as God hears the laments of Israel and Jesus cries at the tomb of Lazarus. Both death and new life are very real. But even though the promise of restoration and resurrection doesn't do away with pain, loss, despair, and death, it does change the way that we live through it. It opens our eyes not just to the life that lies on the other side of despair and death, but also to the flashes of resurrection that happen in the very midst of that despair and death. And it readies our heart to receive new life when and where we find it, all along the way. In her book, Kitchen Table Wisdom, Stories That Heal, Dr. Rachel Naomi Remen writes about a cancer patient who brought a story to his appointment with him. And this is what she writes. My patient, a physician who has cancer, comes to his session enormously pleased with himself. Knowing my love of stories, he has found a perfect story and tells me the following parable. Shiva and Shakti, the divine couple in Hinduism, are in their heavenly abode watching over the earth. They are touched by the challenges of human life, the complexity of human reactions, and the ever-present place of suffering in the human experience. As they watch... Shakti spies a miserably poor man walking down a road. His clothes are shabby and his sandals are tied together with rope. Her heart is wrung with compassion. Touched by his goodness and his struggle, Shakti turns to her divine husband and begs him to give this man some gold. Shiva looks at the man for a long moment. My dearest wife, he says, I cannot do that. Shakti is astounded. Why, what do you mean, husband? You're the Lord of the universe. Why can't you do this simple thing? I cannot give this to him because he is not yet ready to receive it, Shiva replies. Shakti becomes angry. Do you mean to say that you cannot drop a bag of gold in his path? Surely I can, Shiva replies. But that is quite another thing. Please, husband, says Shakti. And so Shiva drops a bag of gold in the man's path. 
The man, meanwhile, walks along, thinking to himself, I wonder if I will ever find dinner tonight, or shall I go hungry again? Turning a bend in the road, he sees something on the path in his way. Aha, he says, look there, a large rock. How fortunate that I have seen it. I might have torn these poor sandals of mine even further. And carefully stepping over the bag of gold, he goes on his way. Dr. Remen goes on to reflect on the story some more. She writes, It seems that life drops many bags of gold in our path. Rarely do they look like what they are. I asked my patient if life has ever dropped him a bag of gold that he has recognized and used to enrich his life. He smiles at me. Cancer, he says simply. I thought you'd guess. Now, I don't want to imply that cancer itself is a bag of gold. It's not. And any of us who have suffered with cancer or watched people that we love suffer with cancer know that. But even cancer can, in God's hand, be redeemed in some way. And I tell this story simply because it makes me wonder. Maybe seeing as God sees, with dry bones and new life inextricably bound one to the other, maybe seeing that way opens our eyes to see grace in places and in ways we would never expect to find it, maybe even in the obstacles themselves. Next Sunday, we will begin our journey through Holy Week. It will bring with it a certain tension, reliving sadness, loss, pain, and death, and yet knowing also that Easter will come as surely as the sun rises each morning. We'll walk through the valley of dry bones all the way to the cross, but with the sure knowledge that God can do incredibly wonderful things with dried up bones. And with that knowledge tucked deep inside, may we, walking in the way of the cross, find that whole journey to be none other than the way of life and peace. Thank you.